Hello there, I'm Chloe Veltman. Welcome to Friday. Here's Book of the Day. The two books we have on deck today have three fun things in common. They're both written for kids, they're both about learning how to stick up for yourself in tough situations, and they both have the word big in the title. Stick around to hear about superstar artist Dolly Parton's Billy the Kid Makes It Big. The book's main character, a guitar-strumming, red bow-tie-wearing dog who stands up to bullies, is based on a real-life pooch. But first, Vashti Harrison's Big. Written and illustrated in vibrant pastels by the author, Big tells the story of a young girl's journey towards understanding how the world and words work. In an interview with Wanna Summers on All Things Considered, Harrison talks about how her book explores issues black girls in particular often face. There are also universal themes like self-love. Here's Wanna Summers. This message comes from NPR sponsor Teladoc Health. There are lots of reasons for wanting to be healthy. Family, work, living a fuller life. Teladoc Health understands. Whether you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or just need to manage your weight, Teladoc Health can help. Visit teledochealth.com slash what's your why for more information. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C health slash what's your why. On the cover of Vashti Harrison's latest book, a young black girl, her curly hair styled in two puffs, is wearing a beautiful pastel tutu and pink ballet slippers. Her arms are stretched high over her head as she holds up the words that make the title of this book, spelled out in oversized, imposing black letters. The book is big, and author-illustrator Vashti Harrison joins us now. Welcome to All Things Considered. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. So your book is about a little girl, and when we first meet her, she's just a baby, and she's wearing this white onesie with the words dream big on it. Um, And can I ask, do you have a copy of your book with you? I do. I'm wondering if you could just read the sentence that opens this book for us. So Big starts with, Once there was a girl with a big laugh and a big heart and very big dreams. Mm. Vashti, why did you want to begin this book when this little girl was so young at this earliest stage of childhood? For me, this story was really about the words we give and share with children. And I wanted to make a story that followed a child on a journey toward self-love. But I wanted to start the story at the very beginning where all children start in a place of pure self-love. She has every opportunity ahead of her and all of the excitement and hope that people have for their kids is placed on this little child. And I wanted to showcase how that story can change over time based on the words that we use to talk to children and sort of examine how that story changes when those words become negative. There is this line early in your book that really stuck with me, and it happens when this girl is, she's still really young, even in a high chair. You write, what a big girl you are, the adults would say. And it was good until you and I know it isn't good. Big, especially for young Black girls, it stops being a compliment at a certain point in your life. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so big is many things, partially inspired by my childhood, but I wanted to make a story that felt sort of universal and talked about Um, things that many Black girls in our society face, including adultification bias and anti-fat bias. And 
weight and body size tend to be a metric of one of those things. And I wanted to really showcase how big can be a word of affirmation when kids are really little and we celebrate it and we cheer them on and we're so excited for them. And when something about their body might shift or change as they grow, um, our perceptions, our biases that we learned in this world, we place on kids. And I wanted to showcase how you know detrimental that can be when we don't take care and offer kindness to young people. I think for folks like you and me, you probably remember not just one, but a ton of those moments where you're seen as older than you are, You are, there's that adultification you talk about, you're seen as different because you're a child in a Black body. Are there moments that happened in your life that you feel like really informed the way that you created the world that this little girl lives in in your book? I think the thing that resonates most with me and comes specifically from from my childhood is what I was described as a kid as being too sensitive. I was really Mm -hmm. emotional, and it took me a long time to really find myself, to really feel like I've grown up or come of age. And so I feel so emotionally struck by the idea that a child like me could have been perceived as old enough or more responsible or more knowledgeable or more mature when absolutely I was not ready for that. So I think I was trying to pull from that feeling of of what it felt like to be a really sensitive and shy and quiet kid and to know that um, no matter what you're going through on the inside, people will still judge you based on the way you look on the outside. And I really wanted to make an appeal for this child's um, innocence and girlhood. I want to talk about the illustrations in your book for a moment. As I look at it, what strikes me is that the colors that you've chosen, there are these soft, really beautiful pastels. And when I was reading it, I felt like there was almost this sense of, I don't know, wonder and innocence surrounding this little girl. Can you talk a little bit about how you approached illustrating this book? Yeah, I think every book is different. Um, I really try to use tools and materials and media in different ways to help um, communicate a story. And so for Big, the story was really internal. We spend a lot of time with this character and we see the world through her eyes, through her experience. And so I often tend to choose a specific color for a character. So in Big, I chose this sort of really saturated pink and I wanted to use it to tell this sort of story of who this child is becoming. She has all of these options at the beginning and you know, we see her light get dimmed throughout the book, and then it comes back at the end when she sort of reclaims space for herself. She reclaims big, and we see the full realization of this fully saturated color. I mean, there's also just the way you use the space on the page. I mean, in some of the later pages of this book, there's the spread where it felt to me like this little girl She couldn't fit. She couldn't be contained. Her feet are literally pressing up against the end of the page on one side. And on the other end, it looks like her her little hair puffs, they literally won't even fit on the page. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I wanted to create a sort of visual representation of, of feeling boxed in, of feeling like maybe your story doesn't even belong in a book. I really wanted to 
use the book in this sort of meta way for multiple reasons, for narrative reasons, but also like I was thinking a little bit about some of the classics that I had on my bookshelf and so many of them center on the smallest of the characters, Mm -hmm. you know, 12 little girls in two straight lines. The smallest one was Madeline. You can see that often the protagonist of a story is the smallest one. And, you know, I just wanted to make a book that centered on a kid that wasn't the smallest one in the classroom, but show that she's just as worthy of us cheering her on and rooting for her and falling in love with her. I know this book is just coming out, but I'm curious if you've had the opportunity to share it with any kids, perhaps kids even in your own life. And what have they told you about it? You know, I'm very nervous about sharing it with young people. Um, but I think the fear of just making any sort of art is is connecting with people. And, um, you know, honestly, I just hope I got it right. I hope I represented those concepts in the best way possible. But honestly, if it helps one young person, then I will feel grateful that this book exists because I know it would have helped me as a kid. Author-illustrator Vashti Harrison's new book is big. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you. This message is brought to you by Apple Pay. Fussing with plastic cards should be a thing of the past. Instead, pay the Apple way. Apple Pay is easy, secure, and built into iPhone. All you have to do is set it up. Just add a card in the Wallet app and you're good to go. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com switch. The model for Dolly Parton's Billy the Kid Makes It Big is her manager's dog, Billy. Dolly considers the little French bulldog her god dog. In this delightful interview with NPR's Melissa Block, the musician says she likes to share stories about Billy with her nieces and nephews. The book, illustrated by Mackenzie Haley, tells the story of Billy trying to make it in the music business in Nashville and overcoming many odds to win the day. Let's go now to Melissa Block. It's really hard to make it in the music business, but if you continue to be yourself and practice and find good friends, you'll do it. That's what a certain dog musician named Billy the Kid would tell you. You can read about his rough beginnings in the new children's book, Billy the Kid Makes It Big. His story is brought to us by someone who knows a thing or two about sticking to a music career, the one and only Dolly Parton. And she joins us now from Nashville. Ms. Parton, it's great to have you with us today. Well, thank you, Melissa. It's good to be with you. In the introduction to your book, you say that that Billy in the story is actually modeled on your god dog. Uh, Tell us about Billy. Who is he? Well, Billy belongs to my manager, Danny Nozell. And when Danny first brought him to the studio, I just fell in love with him. He's a tiny little thing. And I said, I have to be his extra mama or he has to be my god dog. So I just claimed him and he just took to me right away. So we've just been little partners ever since. And I have all these wonderful little stories I even tell about Billy to my little nieces and nephews. You wouldn't believe what Billy did today. Billy did this, Billy did that. And so we got the idea that maybe I should write books with Billy from his viewpoint. So it has the music in it. It's about confidence and about standing up to bullies and that sort of thing. So it's really got a lot of meaningful things, I think, for children. What kind of dog is Billy in in real life? Billy is a French bulldog. 
a French bulldog. And there's a picture of you with him. He's pretty cute. He's got those ears that stand straight up. In the book, he's wearing a, a red and white bow tie, looking very stylish. <laughs> well, he likes to dress up, especially when he's auditioned for a show like he does in the book. He's got his little guitar, which I kind of based loosely on my first little guitar, which was a little baby Martin guitar. And then, of course, he's got to dress up and be ready for country music because it's a story about him coming to Nashville, trying to make it in the business and being discouraged, feeling sad and meeting some friends that gave him confidence. And they were all kind of in it together, all there for the same reasons and just keeping on with their dreams. And they wound up winning the contest. You know, that that idea of standing up to bullies or, you know, uh, overcoming people who mock you or make fun of you, I'm thinking it, it's a theme that runs through a whole bunch of your music. And I was listening to the first song that you recorded way back in 1959. You were 13 years old. Um, and it's a song you wrote. It's called, and it's appropriate for this conversation, it's called Puppy Love. Let's hear a little bit of it. Puppy love, puppy love, they all call it puppy love. I'm old enough now to kiss and hug, and I like it. It's puppy love. <laughs> you, were, you still remember it. <laughs> oh, of course, I sing it on stage. So this this song, Puppy Love, um, you're singing, apart from the puppy love part, you're singing about the, a mean boy who pulls your pigtails and he won't carry your books and he rags on your looks. And I wonder if you remember feeling that way as a kid, as that 13-year-old oh, Dolly Parton. Yeah, well, actually, I remember even years before that, I got really bullied. And I, I have a song and a book called The Coat of Many Colors. My coat of many colors that my mama made for me. She made that coach, told me that story about Joseph in the Bible. And boy, I thought I, I just really looked just like Joseph. And I was so proud of it. Wore it to school, and the kids all laughed and said it was just rags, and I didn't look like Joseph, and that we were poor and all that. Of course, they were poor too, but I guess we were poorer. <laughs> but anyway, I remember crying so hard and hurt, and was even hurt at mama because I felt like she'd kind of deceived me somehow. But kids always remember things like that, your first deep hurt. When you were growing up in the Smoky Mountains of East Tennessee, do you remember having books at home? Was reading, was was writing part of your no, childhood? We didn't, no, we didn't have books at home because mm -hmm. we had too many kids. If they got chewed up or peed on or whatever kids do in a house like ours, we had one kid after another. Daddy couldn't afford to pay for that, so they'd just tell us, don't bring books home, and we didn't. So I read at school. We had the Bible. Mama read that all the time. So that was my first encounters. Of course, I remember the first little book that we have in our imagination library is called The Little Engine That Could, and that little book was amazing to me because it talked about the same thing, confidence. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I did. The program you started that has sent books to, I think, more than 2 million kids at this point. Yeah, the Imagination Library is called. It started about 26 years ago, I think, and my dad helped me with that. But where we give books to children, all children, not you don't have to be poor or whatever. It's for anybody that wants to sign up. They can get a book once a month 
till they start school. What was the root of that for you? I think it spins off of an experience that, with your dad. Your dad was not able to read or write, I think. My dad was country, and the f- schools were far away. They lived back in the mountains. They had to work in the fields. They had to work at home. They had to do the stuff to help feed the family and keep that together. And my dad didn't get a chance to read or write. And that bothered him, and that bothered me that it bothered him. So I got this idea to start the program where we give books to children. And so it just grew so fast. What did he tell you about that program, what it meant to him? He just told me he was very proud proud of me and uh, that he felt like that I was doing something special. Mm. And who sorry. Whew, got a little emotional. But mm. anyway... I was proud that he got to be part of something great, and he could feel better about himself. Yeah. Do you want to take a minute? I think I'm okay. Just get on something else. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Are you still, as a songwriter, still finding stories inside yourself that you need to tell after all these years? If I do, they come out when they're ready, and I'll go after it. But I don't. There's nothing I know that I want to write about that I. But when they show up, I'll go ahead and do it. There's nothing I'm afraid or I don't have any, I'm not holding any secrets about something I hesitate to write. How do songs show up for you? Sometimes I get woke up in the middle of the night because I often dream about singing songs. And I used to think I'd remember where I'll be singing in a dream. And I know it's not a song I know. And so I, I just try to keep a little tape recorder or a notepad. So, But even on planes, I just ride on a barf bag. If I get an idea for a song, I just dig in my purse, try to find a pencil, and write on anything I can. That's how all writers do it, though. Somebody that really writes all the time, like I do. You ever write with a lipstick? I've written with my lipstick, and I've written with my <laughs> eyebrow pencil a lot. Probably a little easier with an eyebrow pencil, I would think. It's a little better. It's a little easier. <laughs> well, Dolly Parton, it has been a treat to talk with you today. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you. Dolly Parton's new children's book is Billy the Kid Makes It Big. And that's it for this week on NPR's Book of the Day. If you want more, you can sign up for our newsletter at npr.org slash newsletter slash books. I'm Chloe Veltman. The podcast is produced by Isabella Gomez-Samiento and edited by Megan Sullivan. Our founding editor is Petra Mayer. The show's elements for this week were produced and edited by Emiko Tamagawa, Todd Munt, Courtney Dorning, Elena Burnett, Andrew Craig, Matthew Sherman, Jason Fuller, Justine Kennan and Gus Contreras. Beth Donovan is our managing editor. Thanks for listening. This message comes from NPR sponsor Capital One. The Capital One Venture X business card earns unlimited double miles on every purchase. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms and conditions apply. Find out more at CapitalOne.com slash VentureXBusiness. At this year's Oscars, Oppenheimer took home the award for Best Picture, Emma Stone and Robert Downey Jr. also picked up wins, and Ryan Gosling brought the Kennergy. For a recap of all the highlights, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR.